This is the Illinois. This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work. Welcome to the Illinois podcast. The Illinois. Cutting through the noise of Illinois politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston. Well, hi again, everyone. I'm Patrick Fingston. I write the Illinois political newsletter, which you can find at theillinois.com. My uh, desk and office are a complete wreck, but don't, uh, don't judge me for that. We are uh, trying something a little different today. Uh, we are happy to welcome our friend Ray Long from the Chicago Tribune, the great political reporter, and uh, who's almost kind of become a de facto criminal reporter at this point <laughs> with uh, all of the corruption trials he's been uh, covering over the last uh, few years and, and all of the corruption in, in, in Springfield and, and Chicago. And uh, Ray literally wrote the book on Mike Madigan uh, called the, the House That Madigan Built. Uh, so uh, that's on that's on Amazon and, and at your favorite bookstores, I'm sure. So go pick that up because it's a, a great read. Um, Ray, I, I appreciate you being here. Um, and, and, you know, we hope folks can can pop questions into the, the comments here. And uh, you can also drop us an email uh, mailbag at the I'll pop that up here once I get to my uh, correct uh, banner. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, have a, a, you know, people can listen to me do an interview anytime and, and I'm, I'm a dope and drone on and, and we wanted to have a, a good conversation with you since you're, you're a guy in the know and who's been, you know, so at the center of this. So, uh, thanks for taking time, my friend. Well, it's good to be here, Patrick. I appreciate your invitation. So, so let's, before we get into the hot and heavy Madigan stuff specifically, uh, especially since that's in the news after, after the court hearing yesterday, um, you know, you're a small town kid like me, uh, right. you know, who, who somehow wound up covering and being around <laughs> and, and involved with politicians, you know, a kid from Winchester, Illinois, and a kid from Crescent City, Illinois, talking about some of the uh, most powerful politicians in, in our state. How how on earth did did your track get you here well i think it's just a natural um, instinct where i i found the whole the whole political scene in illinois to be fascinating i also found it to be uh, something that people should know more about and uh, it's in springfield where i was for couple of decades or more than a couple of decades actually i always felt that that was the greatest beat on planet earth i mean you saw all kinds of great issues coming through springfield i got hooked on that when i was an intern back in 1981 the first year that mike madigan was a legislative leader he was actually minority leader madigan then that was the first time first of two times he was minority leader and uh, george ryan was the speaker and so uh I found the whole dynamics to be uh, incredible and interesting, and I got hooked on it. And uh, I just kept following it and following it. And uh, the the real political uh, power is uh, in Chicago, in Illinois. And um, I think that as a kid from downstate, you, you want to follow how the power shakes out. 
I mean, when I was a, a real little kid, uh, Patrick, you know, back when I was growing up, we didn't have seat belts or things like that. I'd climb up, up over the the back, uh, uh, stand on the hump in the back seat, look, crane my neck around and try to be the first uh, person in the car to spot the Capitol on our big trip to Springfield. And when I got there uh, years and decades later, I tried to be the first person to spot the story in the Capitol. See, that's why the guy can, that's, that's why the guy can spin it. Um, <laughs> let's, let's start if you, if you don't mind with, with the, the pending Madigan um, corruption trial, which just got delayed, uh, had an email come in, which I think pretty much handles the the base question: um, why why push the trial? Does the Indiana case really matter that much? Well, uh, I was in the courtroom yesterday, and I and I watched it all go down. And the prosecution said we don't really need to. Uh, delay it. Uh, we can adjust the jury instructions if there's a decision that comes down in the whole uh, matter. Um, the Indiana case is a is one where a guy from uh, Portage, Indiana, was a local official and he was involved in a uh, contract for a local company, and the the company eventually gave him uh, several thousand dollars. The uh, issue there is that, is that a gratuity? Was there a, a quid pro quo? Was it allowed? And um, did that actually uh, cross any of the lines? Now, why that's uh, a curious question at this point is because other circuits in the US, federal circuits have uh, ruled differently. So they have said uh, at different places that uh, there is more leeway, basically, uh, in how public officials can accept uh, gratuities or gifts or things like that. And um, that uh, the federal U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, the Seventh Circuit here in Chicago, um, actually has uh, said that, that it's more strict interpreting how uh, they allow whether or not they would allow these things. So they're, they're uh, basically, their rulings have been basically tougher on public officials. Uh, the Indiana case is in the Seventh Circuit. That has been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. They say they'll rule um, probably around June or July, and that uh, is a reason to push it back. Uh, that is the argument that was made and the one that the judge accepted uh, for the idea that, hey, let's get the let's get this, the rules, the ground rules down so the defense can prepare a proper argument in its case and strategy, et cetera. And so that we don't have to do this trial twice. Um, if they went through the trial on one set of ground rules, and uh, the Supreme Court comes out with a, a ruling that could change things, then um, they would have to, you know, set up a new jury. The first jury, the judge said, the first jury goes to all this effort, and goes through several weeks of trial, and then their efforts are thrown out. So let's just go with one jury. Let's uh, get the ruling. Let's find out what the rules are. See if it's changed. It may match with the way it is right now. 
And uh, if it is great, we just proceed. If it doesn't, if it changes, then we just push the whole trial back a few months. So um, instead of being April 1, they've decided uh, to make it October 8th. And uh, the everybody will know what the, uh, the game plan is. The judge said it, it, in his analogy, he gave several analogies. Some of them involved Legos and stepping on Legos in the middle of the night. But the one that made uh, probably more sense was that uh, it's like you think you're playing a game of football. And then halfway through the game, you change your rules to say, oh, we're playing baseball now. So he didn't want to have to deal with all that and uh, thought it would be fairer for uh, Mike Madigan, Mike McLean, the two defendants. And uh, he thought that it would be more efficient, too. Maybe this is too in the weeds. And 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 if it is, I apologize. But, <laughs> no you know, the the idea of gratuities and gifts and and what, you know, I, I'm not a lobbyist, but I've been in 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 a different part of my life the the you know contribution limits those sort of things you know what can be given to a politician are all pretty pretty outlined whether it's in illinois state law indiana state law whatever state it might be this this isn't gratuity this is bribery so like how do they how where where does the fed get into the mix here because it seems like we're talking about apples and oranges well um I don't want to get too technical, and I, I also don't want to to misspeak here. But I can. We kind of ground it down in in our story today, and we and uh, we noted that uh, that uh, the case is important because it 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 resolves this split among the different circuits that I was talking about, and it comes down to the issue of whether or not um, you can describe what a reward or a gratuity is given to a public official and what constitutes a bribe, even in the absence of a quid pro quo. So in other words, there, um, it's going to be hard. I, I, it would be hard for me to believe that Madigan is uh, on tape, for example, saying, hey, let's go do a quid pro quo or, let, you know, let, if you do this, I'll do this or something like that. There, um, there evidence. We still have to see all of it. But um, the question is whether uh, some kind of trade in, that could be favorable to you or some kind of effort, like in this case, for example, uh, ComEd has already acknowledged that they showered him with a variety of, of things uh, that he wanted, such as the, or allegedly wanted, such as uh, putting his uh, people, some of his cronies on a payroll for, into no work jobs, uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, but still in the indictment, uh, putting a bunch of college interns from his ward into uh, comed summer jobs uh, uh, sending uh, law legal business to one of his uh, political cronies and actually appointing to this state regulated board a guy that he wanted appointed and uh, so they've they 
the prosecution's theory is that uh, at a certain point, these become uh, uh, bribes, uh, that you could I interpret these as, as bribes, alleged bribes anyway, and that uh, Madigan, uh, that they were trying to do this in return for uh, Madigan looking uh, favorably or uh, you know, helping or putting his thumb on the scale to uh, give ComEd uh, wins in their legislative uh, agenda. That that ties me into a question we got by email, which I think uh, is pertinent. Uh, worried that they don't, the feds don't have a smoking gun against Madigan. Uh, do you think there's enough evidence to convict? And I, I do think that, that as you've, and we haven't heard all the tapes, we heard the right. tapes from the, the, uh, Mike McLean side of right. the trial, the comment right. for trial, right. but there was never Mike Madigan on tape saying, we want this. We want them to do this for this, the quid pro quo that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we've all been around, I mean, at least you and I have been around lobbyists for plenty of years who are hyper-focused on keeping politicians happy, right? you know, Absolutely. and, and go out of their way to keep them happy. Yeah. Um, is there, in your mind, or, or, or maybe if, if you don't want to get into that opinion part of it, do, why do prosecutors believe they have enough evidence to convict? Well, I think that they look at this as kind of a cumulative thing, and that's why they have so many different varieties of, of uh, issues here. They also have, in the superseding indictment uh, that came out after the original indictment in March of uh, 2022, they came in with a superseding indictment that included similar activities of putting somebody on a payroll in a no-work job, a former legislator, a member of uh, Madigan's uh, Democratic leadership team, uh, Eddie Acevedo, into a no-work job at AT&T, allegedly to also curry favor with Madigan. Now, the question is, are they just trying to curry favor? Is that a no big deal? Or is that uh, a remarkable give that uh, crosses the line. So I uh, would gather that the prosecutors think they that these companies were giving uh, giving up things to Madigan to shower him with uh, gifts, gratuities, or uh, to some extent uh, crossing the line or dancing on the allegations of whether it's a, a bribery or not. And so when they add all these together, they uh, push it into a conspiracy or a racketeering charges. What, when you wrote your book, um, you know, obviously you didn't have the, um, uh, the, the benefit of, of wiretap conversations or what Mike McLean said on, on tape or in court or that sort of thing. You know, and, and the people who have worked with Madigan over the years, and, and I wrote a big story about him after, you know, with people after he he was deposed back in 2021, that, you know, generally the people who have worked with Madigan have the kindest things to say about him, uh, that he is, you know, that, that he is a, a good man and a family man and cares and works well with people and is trying to do the right thing. And yeah, he's political, but everybody in politics is political. Uh, how how would he have been able to? And I'm sure those same people told the same things to you when you wrote your book. Uh, 
how would he have been able to put on a facade for all of these people he's worked with in the legislature for 40 years, but, but in the background be churning this criminal enterprise? Well, uh, first of all, they're all allegations, right? So we don't know that, uh, and I certainly don't have uh, uh, a clairvoyance here or, or the ability to, to cut behind uh, the walls that he put up. But I did talk to a lot of people, and I looked at depositions over the years, and I've seen these indictments. Now, he has pleaded guilty, or I mean, God, he has pleaded innocent. Uh, he has pleaded not guilty. Um, and Boy, would has, that have made our lives different. Yeah, yeah, right. I, uh, you know, I apologize for that. Um, he has emphatically denied any uh, wrongdoing, but um, what... Uh, I never had, of course, was uh, the ability to have uh, hidden video or wiretapping or anything like that. So you know what uh, he says publicly, you know what people around him say, uh, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so the question is whether there's something that the feds have been able to pull out um, that... Um, that uh, you know they think crosses the line and that's that's where they believe they have enough to charge him and they believe they can back it up here's uh here's another email we got uh related to kind of a, a similar case and that's of, of madigan's former chief of staff tim mapes uh why did the feds go so hard on tim mapes they pushed really hard on lying to the fbi charges there was also obstruction if i remember right uh, were they trying to scare him to flip against Madigan and he stood firm? Uh, what? How did Mapes go down the way that it did? Well, I, I don't know the total strategy, but I can, can speculate on it. And, the, and it looks like that they did indeed try to get him. They tried to squeeze him. This is what and this is what his attorneys uh, said. They were, they were trying to squeeze Mapes to flip on Madigan. Um, but uh they argued that he had nothing to, to give, and uh, the jury didn't buy it, obviously. Uh, the jury uh, had like uh, seven different things that they could check a box for, or a dozen different things that they could check a bo box for on perjury and obstruction, attempted obstruction counts, and uh, they checked all the boxes. I mean, so they uh, believed that Mapes wasn't truthful. He would, uh, he certainly gave vague answers. We heard the entire grand jury uh, recording in the courtroom, and uh, they, the prosecutors would play a, a part of what he said in the grand jury, and it would be a vague uh, answer, and then you would hear uh, what he was saying when he was talking to Mike McLean on the telephone because uh, McLean's uh, phone was tapped and um, the two didn't really match up and the jury that was the jury's belief and that's one reason he came out guilty. I think that they probably came so hard on him as the question asks uh, because uh, it was it was not just like one simple little remark he made uh they 
pointed to, the prosecutors alleged multiple times that he was uh, not uh, forthcoming and uh, multiple times that they thought that he was outright lying. And so the jury agreed with the prosecution's case. And uh, I think they also probably wanted to send a message that uh, you can't just go into the jury and try to uh, wing it and uh, try to uh, think that you can outsmart the, the grand jury or the prosecutors. And I think they, they wanted to send that message. And uh, by doing that with the chief of staff or Mike Madigan, you sent a pretty strong message. That's, that's also, I think, part of it is Tim Mapes is a really smart guy. And Tim Mapes knows he's a really smart guy um, and, and isn't necessarily afraid to, to, to show it. I mean, it, it almost seems like he got, he, he, he was had when he was trying to outsmart these guys. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those deals where you hear a lot of people say over the years that uh, Tim thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And then you um, wonder if he tried to play that card with the grand jury. I don't know that that was the case, but um, if that were the case, uh, it didn't work out well. We we also saw Ray that the um, the sentencing for the Comed Four, uh, as as I'm sure um, our our friends at the utility love having their name thrown into a criminal enterprise. Um, the the sentencing is going to be pushed back. Uh, I know that ties into the. Uh, the Indiana case as well, uh, so that they can get some more direction uh, on on that. And um, I know there was a, a hearing, and some some briefs are going to be filed. Is is there any possibility that the feds are working to get um, testimony? I mean, they they're not going to get McLean. He's he's Madigan's co-defendant in this in this case. But to try and get any of the the Parmesan, John Hooker, et cetera. Uh, to 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 try and testify against Madigan for for anything? Well, I, I think that's always a possibility. Um, the The problem with somebody like Mapes is you you could bring him on the stand even if he even if he had something to flip on, and he did flip. Um, then you, uh, the uh, issue is you you've got a convicted uh, liar going up on the stand. So that uh, diminishes somewhat what he can bring to a case, but um, you could you could see them trying to squeeze him. You could see them trying to squeeze uh, any number of other people to try to bring more to their Madigan case. But, um, you know, it would probably be a, a surprise at this stage in the game to see any anybody else uh, who's already been convicted uh, step up and uh, add to the Madigan case. The wiretaps are going to be great theater, aren't they? <laughs> well, I tell you what, you really are typing like a maniac when you're in, in the courtroom uh, trying to catch all those wiretaps and then uh, listening to them and hearing the private conversations and hearing, uh, you know, hearing their inner thoughts versus uh, hearing their public thoughts are really uh, you know kind of eye-opening for the general public well and thankfully you know we're we're more technologically advanced than we were for like the george ryan campaign or uh, uh trial that yeah. you know these wiretaps especially during the comed trial they were releasing 
the full audio to the yeah. media. So, you know, we could just drop them on YouTube and everyone could hear them. And, yeah. and yeah. It, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really helpful, I think, for the public to see the evidence and hear the evidence. And so you can write a story and you can link to the to the audio. And I think that's a, an advance in in uh, helping people understand what's going on and what uh, the jury is basing their decision on, et cetera. I, I also think that over the years, just from being a reporter for over four decades now, I have seen advances in the technology that the prosecution can bring and the defense can bring to the case to cases too. I mean, uh, the ability to, to capture all of, of these uh, wiretaps and video uh, recordings and the ability to play them on a big screen in the courtroom and to uh, play them back. I mean, uh, you know, in the, in the old days, like in a case like the um, uh, Management Services Inc. of Illinois uh, case involving, uh, you know, pay for play allegations back under the Edgar administration, not Edgar himself, but uh, uh, allegations that arose from a contract deal with public aid. Uh, you know, they had to argue those in Springfield with like telling people numbers and just bombarding the jury with numbers and having no charts or, or PowerPoints or anything nowadays, man, you can not only put, make these uh, things, uh, make their evidence amplified with PowerPoints, but they can also um, make their arguments. They can, they can go through their arguments bullet point by bullet point and point them out on a PowerPoint and make the jury completely educated in in ways that you know they just had to kind of uh, keep it all in their head and take down good notes and it i think all of the technology has really advanced both the prosecution and the uh, evidence gathering and you know it's it's gone to a much more sophisticated level i i won't spend a ton of time on the ed burke trial but i think this this kind of uh, adds burke to madigan um this email question we had why are these old guys finally getting prosecuted after they're not influential anymore uh they could have stopped some of the problems they've caused us all years ago um it's also i mean it's true though that i mean some of these madigan allegations are, are 2015 2016 2017 i mean years and years ago yeah, now 2011 and, and yeah yeah 20, 2011 it goes it goes far back you know why? What took so long to to prosecute these cases in, in Madigan or Burke? I think. Well, I think part of the thing I just got in saying about how much more sophisticated uh, prosecutions or prosecutors' tools and FBI tools are. I think uh, also that uh, to say that they're prosecuting these guys once they're out of power is not not quite on target um i appreciate the question the issue i think is that they brought these charges and investigated them when they were at the height of their power in some cases and and the investigations knocked them out of the box uh madigan was still speaker of the house when he was identified as public official a in 2020 
in the ComEd uh, deferred prosecution ag agreement. And that's the one where ComEd started admitting that they uh, showered uh, Madigan with uh, gifts uh, to or, you know, jobs for associates, et cetera, um, allegedly to influence his decisions on, on uh, legislative matters to, to bring him around to their side. Now, Madigan's people will stand there and, and say they fought ComEd tooth and nail, and in many ways they did. But um, the prosecution still believes that they, um, that Madigan uh, uh, was shown uh, uh, an inordinate amount of uh, favoritism uh, through these types of, uh, of grants. Now, the idea that uh, they're still can going after them, well, they're going after him. They they might Mike Madigan might still be the Speaker of the House today if if uh, they hadn't uh, if, if he weren't uh, public official A really yeah I mean, yeah that's when the, that's when the wheels started to move right right I mean it was a combination of things he was weakened uh, after the 2018 sexual harassment mm -hmm. scandals of, of his aides and I think that helped uh, move some of the women uh, legislators to. Uh, look at that, plus the public, of a, uh, public official A designation. And uh, by the time he was uh, running for a re-election as speaker in 2021, uh, Mike McLean and uh, Ann Promajori, the CEO of ComEd, and a couple of lobbyists had been uh, indicted too. So there was this kind of growing groundswell. Don't forget also that Republicans were pounding away on Madigan in a variety of things. Uh, Ken Griffin, for one, the, bi the billionaire who opposed uh, billionaire J.B. Pritzker's uh, proposal to tax the uh, people with the biggest paychecks at a higher rate. Um, Ken Griffin uh, pounded away and used Madigan as an albatross to defeat that uh, proposal. And uh, also, Madigan uh, backed uh, Thomas Kilbride, the Supreme Court Justice, who he'd backed in two previous uh, elections uh, successfully. And Kilbride was going for a third 10-year term, but he couldn't get the 60% necessary for retention on the court. And uh, the uh, district that he ran in uh, Republicans just pounded away on his connection to Madigan. So at the at the height of his power, Madigan was getting attacked on all sides, and uh, the Democratic officials, a lot of lead Democratic officials, thought that he should either uh, step down as Speaker or step down as Party Chairman or both. I think you also saw toward the end of Madigan's reign as as Speaker the kind of Democrat changed too. the kind yeah. of Democrat that was in the house, yeah. you know, from your institutionalists um, to, to your, your do-gooder progressives, you know, the fewer Lou Langs and more Will Gazzardis, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and that, you know, that changed the, the feeling inside the caucus too, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there were definitely attitudes and a lot of the, a lot of the lawmakers were tired of being, 
uh, attached to Madigan, mushrooms. Uh, they, they'd go out. They'd tell me that they go out door to door, you know, pitching themselves to constituents, and uh, the constituents would. Uh, one of the first questions they'd ask is, uh, you know, why don't you get rid of Madigan as the speaker? So uh, that was kind of part of the issue too. That uh, there was a general. Uh, you know, view that Madigan was uh, political baggage. Two more for you, Ray, if you if you have a minute. Um, the and they're less Madigan and, and more kind of one's more Supreme Court, one's more political. Uh, this one from email, does the gun ban and registry hold up with the U.S. Supreme Court? I've, <laughs> I've said no, I don't think it does uh, eventually. Um, have, have you, you know, have you have you dug into that very much? Well, I, you know, I've I've looked at the issue. I haven't I haven't been the point guy on that issue. I think that you're taking a guess when you guess what the Supreme Court is going to come down on. Uh, you know, based on their track record, it uh, seems like there's a, a lot of momentum to to uh, put that law in jeopardy, but. You know, they can find a sliver here and there and and uh, find a, a way to uphold it if they want to, too. It's a real it's a jump ball when you get to that high in the equation and all the different factors that come involved. I wish I could be more definitive, but I really can't. Yeah, I would I would encourage people to go read the New York case and we can we can tweet the um, uh, the link to it at some point, because that's going to probably be the. Um, the the basis for this and then uh just the last one we got on twitter uh you know you've you've uh you've done a lot of politics over the years do you think uh what is left of the illinois conservative movement uh is going to wake up and smell the coffee and start ignoring grifters like bailey or continue down the current path uh, i would say as long as donald trump is donald trump and donald trump still has control of the republican party the grift is in well i i think there's a lot of people who who truly are uh, admirers of Donald Trump out there and they're stuck on him and they uh, think that, uh, you know, despite all these indictments, et cetera, they still think that uh, these are political attacks against him versus actual alleged crimes that he committed. So uh, there is a groundswell of support for Trump that is going to be difficult to to turn back. I don't think that um, you're going to be uh, finding people splitting away in droves from him or from uh, the folks that are trying to ride his coattails. And Bailey's one that's obviously trying to to uh, connect himself to Trump and uh, ride his coattails and uh, tie himself to Trump and hope that that can carry him over the, the finish line. All we know here on January 4th is it's going to be a weird, weird year. <laughs> uh, Ray, thank you so much, my friend. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you you know, of course, many folks do that my, my wife is a former uh, State House reporter in Springfield. And, yep. Very uh, good she, one, too. She very, loves very. Ray Long and uh, <laughs> is a 
uh, and is always a good fan when I get to talk to him. So, well, uh, uh, Katie Hines was a terrific reporter, and we miss having her on the beat down there. That's for sure. She and, was better uh, at it than I am. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I'm not going to start any family. <laughs> don't, don't make me weigh in on that one. That's the hottest question you've got going there. Ray, thanks so much, my friend. I really appreciate it. And uh, follow Ray on Twitter at Ray Long and uh, uh, keep reading his stuff in the Chicago Tribune. He's one of the best in the business. Thanks so much. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be here. All right. Thanks so much to Ray Long for joining us. Thank you for uh, joining us on this uh, uh, on this live stream that we are, uh, you know, we'll put it out as a podcast too and everything, but wanted to have it a little interactive conversation with Ray. So thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, everyone.